of any of that. Uh, in fact, I leaned over to dad and commented about Casey, saying that uh, she needs to be up here. She needs to be out front because God is using her in an awesome way. And so it definitely gives me pride to see my younger sister being used of God, to see that God is using our family. But I don't take this lightly, this opportunity. So before I say anything else, I want to say thank you uh, to my dad for all that you've instilled into me, but thank you for trusting me to stand behind this pulpit and deliver the word of God. And I pray that I can uh, minister today. Thank you to all of you for always receiving Cassie and I, uh, for always being so friendly. A lot of old friends, a lot of family, a lot of inside jokes, a lot of things I want to forget about. And um, so if you're told any stories, just um, come to me first and I'll, I'll give you my version so I can maybe have a little bit of uh, saving grace in your eyes. But thank you so much to always being open to us. We're always happy to be at Grace. There is a wonderful, incredible presence of God that is always here. You know, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people, and too often we say, well, God feels like he's a million miles away. God, where are you? And maybe if we would just praise him a little bit, maybe he would show up on the scene, but you don't have that problem at Grace because there's always a strong presence of God that is here. I feel it every time I come. And it's a special thing. This is a special place. I say that just about every time I come, but that's what I feel. I'm just telling you what I feel when I come into this building, when I feel the presence of God. And I want to commend you uh, with just uh, the programs that I heard that y'all are launching, uh, because this was not meant just to stay in these four walls, but to take it into the community is incredible, is awesome. And I believe that you, each and every one of us, represent the church. The church is a movement, and we are that movement. It moves with us every day. The presence of God moves with us every day. So we don't always have to worry about bringing someone to this altar in order for them to experience Jesus. We can take Jesus to them wherever we go, whatever we do, each and every day. So today I'm going to quickly get into my scripture text. It's quick and easy, and you can be seated. I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe that here today? Today I'm going to speak to you from this topic, no other name. No other name. Look at your neighbor, give him a high five, give him a shove, and say, there's no other name. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The process of choosing a baby's name is one that, for many parents, requires a great deal of time and effort. It's not as easy as a random name being grabbed out of the thin air, and both mom and dad agree, and then that's that, and it's done, and it's final. There's an endless discussion that takes place. There are endless discussions that go on at all times. I know this because my wife and I, although we've agreed to wait a few years on children, having children, we have still had these discussions 
numerous times and we've had debates on what our child's names are going to be and more often than not we never agree she'll come up with the name that she thinks is the coolest name that no one has that i can't think of anyone and it's so awesome and i just kind of give her this look like well and then the same will happen with me i'll maybe hear of a name i've never heard that name before that would be perfect for our son and she's like i don't know babe and we just can't ever agree there's no doubt homework and intense studying that goes into the meaning of names and how aptly they would apply to my child and how that would sum up my child. What's so crazy about this long, grueling process of elimination and careful planning and differences of opinion and debates and having to bring in moderators and studying and tweaking until that most amazing and wonderful and fitting name is chosen is that not long after the baby is born, a nickname or nicknames quickly evolve through no planning at all. Maybe some random thought popped into a relative's head and, oh, I'm going to call him that. And for the majority of the child's life, all the way to adulthood, they're called by that name. A perfect case in point is yours truly. For those who don't know me well, my name is Marcus Glenn Murphy. But that is not what I'm referred to as. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm the firstborn of two. And my younger sister, Casey, that we talked about earlier, has always called me the golden child or the chosen one. It's been a tough cross to bear, but somebody had to do it. And if you ask her, and I'm just guessing at this, but based on all the other comments she said throughout our lives, if you ask her, I'm sure she would convince you that my parents took forever to choose my name, that they put in countless hours of studying and just to find that perfect name, whether they did or not, she would probably try to convince you of that. But whatever time and effort went into choosing my name, it, was, it quickly became an afterthought to what would soon become a few different nicknames that I would be referred to to this very day if you hear my mother or father call me. It started as baby. Real original, right? Didn't see that one coming. Then it was shortened to BB. Then it was shortened to B. And that was and still is my name. When I get a phone call from my dad, hey B, how's it going, man? Same with my mom. As a young child and teenager, I didn't want to hear my real name. Didn't want to hear it at all. You see, if, if you hear just your first name, that meant you probably weren't paying attention and you better drop what you're doing and heed the stern voice or, of mom or dad with whatever they're trying to tell you or get your attention for. You better drop everything and listen and look. But if you heard your first and your middle name, you better start praying. You better hide. You might as well just run away from home because you done messed up bad. You done did something that you just, it would be bad. Has anyone been there here today? Have you ever not wanted to hear your name? It's interesting to consider the association that goes with names. First, there's the actual meaning and origin of a name. For example, the name Marcus is of Latin and English origin and means warrior or to be warlike. I, I, I had it in my notes, but their laughter has already gone to my next point. That couldn't be further from the truth with me. 
I'm a people pleaser. I'm the president and CEO of the people pleaser company. There's countless jokes and stories that are told. There's a story that's told around Christmas time where a bunch of our family are standing in a driveway and we're just hanging out. And I think someone had a remote control car and just out there having fun and a car passes by and I wave to them being neighborly and nobody else waved. And to this day, I'm made fun of for that because I'm so nice and I'm always trying to be friendly and I take the people pleaser to a whole nother level. So I'm definitely a lover, not a fighter. I am not a warrior. My beautiful wife is sitting right over here. Her name is Cassie, for those of you who don't know. So I looked it up, I was just curious. The name Cassie is of Greek and English origin and means she who entangles a man. Wow, that's what happened to me. I've been wondering, I've been like upside down and inside out and don't know which direction to go half the time and now I figured it out. I got all tangled up with this girl named Cassie. Man, at least I know now. But as much as the meaning and origin of a name can be telling of who the person is, it's what they accomplish that is most often associated with their name. Some people's names have literally been stamped onto their accomplishments so that we can't help but remember them. Names like Henry Ford was an American industrialist and the founder of the Ford Motor Company. We in the Murphy household, including my father, are Ford people. We're thankful for Henry Ford. Makes a great vehicle. Sorry to all the GM people. We still love you. Henry J. Hines founded the H.J. Hines Company, which is most well-known for its ketchup. I want to personally thank Mr. Hines because I would have never enjoyed fried chicken or fried catfish or french fries or steak without his invention. I love this guy. Milton Hershey started the Hershey Chocolate Company. Yeah, hold on a second. You're going you're gonna to applaud in a minute. Which has made or currently owns many famous Hershey bars, Hershey chocolate candies, including Almond Joy and Mounds candy bars, Hershey's Cookies and Cream candy bar, Hershey's Milk Chocolate and Milk Chocolate with Almond bars, Hershey's Kisses, Kit Kat Wafer Bar, Reese's Cr Crunchy Cookie Cups, Reese's Nutrageous Candy Bar, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Sweet Escapes Candy Bars, Taste Stations Candy, Twizzlers Candy, and York Peppermint Patties. Is anyone thankful for Milton Hershey? There are names that are well known and associated with the decisions that they made, whether good or whether bad. Adolf Hitler was an Austrian-born German politician who was the leader of the Nazi party and at the center of World War II and the Holocaust that killed millions of innocent people. Abraham Lincoln was the 16th American president and responsible for the Emancipation Proclamation that brought freedom to all as well as leading our country through a brutal civil war. These are two extreme examples of household names that bring along a strong association based on who they were and what they did. We could say that name, that name could be brought up in any conversation, and we all would know who these names are based on what they did, whether it be good or whether it be bad. 
When you hear the name Michael Jordan, you may think greatest basketball player of all time. When you hear Bill Gates, you may think richest man in the world. When you hear Martin Luther King, you may think American civil rights. When you hear Elvis Presley, you may think king of rock and roll. Then there are names like O.J. Simpson, who was known for being one of the better running backs in NFL history and one of the few running backs to actually break 2,000 yards rushing in a single season. Or the name Tiger Woods, who at age 32 had already won 14 golf tournaments, major golf tournaments, and was well on his way to becoming the greatest golfer of all time, setting records, unprecedented records. But these identities that were once synonymous with these names has changed due to bad decision, bad decisions that these men chose to make. Now when you hear their names, you may not think great NFL running back, or you may not think dominating PGA golfer on his way to being arguably the greatest golfer of all time. This goes to show that the association with names can vary greatly and can even be subject to change. What we know about a person, what we associate with a person when we hear their name can change maybe in our mind. This is true even if we bring it a little closer to home. Imagine if a random list was compiled of the names of men who were fathers and was read aloud here today or or in a random grouping of people just somewhere in our community or in our society. If we just randomly read a list of names of fathers, what would be the association with the different names? when people recognize the name. I'm sure words like hero, mentor, best friend, trustworthy, provider, protector, patient, quality time, unconditional love, just to list a few would come to mind for some people when they would hear a name. But for others, words like distant, neglectful, abusive, or maybe there would be no association at all. Maybe someone would hear the name of their father and they wouldn't have any association. There would be a total blank page that comes to mind because they didn't know their father and there's no association whatsoever. Then there may be some that at one time would associate words like hero or best friend or some of these other things that I shared earlier when they would hear the name of their father, but that association has changed due to circumstances, due to time, due to things happening, and all of a sudden now the association has changed. It's because our world and the people in it are always in a constant state of change. There's nothing that is guaranteed in our world. There's nothing at all that is guaranteed. There's nothing that you can take to the bank in the world today. Which brings us back to the scripture that I opened with. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Again, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How does this scripture fit into an ever-changing world? What context does such a guarantee as that scripture, because that's a guarantee right there. If there's any one statement that you can take to the bank, it's that scripture right there. So what context does a scripture like that fit into a world where there are no guarantees, where there's nothing that you can take to the bank. On the surface, you would think it would fit perfectly, like a hand in glove, like the missing puzzle piece that we've all been looking for when we hear that. It would fit perfectly. It's what we're all looking for, right? But not so fast. In John chapter 1, verse 11, the Bible says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Did they really know him? 
Did they really understand the name? Did they really understand this Jesus? What does the Bible say about him? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name, his name will be wonderful, will be counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. This is the name that I'm talking about here today. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name here today that we can be saved by than the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name, that at that name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those in earth and of those under the earth. I'm talking about a name that is above every name. I'm talking about a name that will give you hope. I'm talking about a name that is going to come through for you. I'm talking about a name that will never leave you or forsake you. Do you believe in that name here today? No other name. Acts chapter 4 verse 30 says, By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. I'm talking about healing that is in this place here today by the name. So when you hear the name Jesus, if I were to say the name Jesus, and I've already said it quite a few times, but if I were to just randomly say the name in a group of people, what would the association be? We might be all over the map with what we would associate with that name. But let me tell you what I think we can associate with the name based on the Bible and the scriptures that I just shared with you. We can associate words like wonderful, like mighty, like everlasting, like all authority, like savior. This name can save you from your pit of despair. This name can pull you out of the circumstances that you're in where there seems to be no hope. He's the savior. He's highly exalted. He's the healer. If you've come here today with, and you're sick in body, if you've got some disease or something you've been battling for a long time, you can leave today with your healing because of the name. No other name. No other name like Jesus. Someone needs to get a hold of what this name means for you here today. It means you can finally take authority over the strongholds in your life, and not just a little bit, but all authority. You don't have to settle for just telling the devil to get behind you just a couple of days a week. You can tell him permanently, get behind me, Satan, because I'm taking authority over my life. I'm taking authority over my family. I'm taking authority over my marriage. I'm taking authority over my children. Come on, someone needs to get that here today. You need to understand that in the name is all authority. It means you can finally get your healing over whatever sickness or disease or pain or discomfort that you've been, that you've been battling. It's in the name. It means you don't have to worry whether his name is going to stick around or be wishy-washy or walk out on you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. This isn't a name that's a here today, gone tomorrow kind of name. Too often we've had relationships and people come in and out of our life and we're so accustomed to not being able to trust people. The minute you finally build that trust up to a certain point, they leave. They say something that offends you. They say something that breaks your confidence and your trust. And so you have walls up because you feel like you can't trust anyone. But this is like no other name 
that you've ever known. It's everlasting. It means we've been putting too much faith in names that are ever-changing and, and bound to fail us. This is why the writer in Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. There is no other name like this name Jesus. You know what that means? It means your doctor's name will only take you so far. And I'm not against the medical profession. But we need to start incorporating the name of Jesus just as much as we call and, and text and, and schedule appointments with our doctor's name. We might, Some of us may speak our doctor's name or our counselor's name more than we speak the name of Jesus. But I think you'll find if you start saying that name, he's as close as the mention of your name and he's going to show up into your situation. Your father's name, your mother's name, your husband's name, your wife's name, your best friend's name, your teacher's name, your boss's name, your company's name. They're only going to take you so far. There's no other name. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. But as much as his name is above every name, and the scripture gives such a vivid description, as I've shared with you, of the meaning of Jesus and the meaning behind the name, there's a deeper understanding of the name that can only be understood by looking at the man and the decisions that he chose to make. I heard a statement recently that really resonated with me. I had to think about it for a minute. But it really just kind of hit me between the eyes. The statement went like this. Jesus isn't the man at the top of the stairs. He's the man at the bottom. You might say, well, well wait just a minute now. You just built up this whole, this whole point and talked to us and pumped us up about his name being highly exalted and that it's above every other name. And now you're saying that he's the man at the bottom? To which I answer, yes. The answer to that is yes. There were countless people in the Bible that had reached rock bottom. There's no greater example of someone reaching rock bottom in their life than the Samaritan woman. She was already despised by the Jews simply because she was a Samaritan. Imagine waking up or being born into a circumstance where you're despised just because of your lineage, just because of where you come from, who your family is. Not even trying to get to know you as a person, but you're despised. But to make matters worse, she was also an outcast and looked down upon by her own people because of her immorality. This is evidenced by the fact that she came alone to draw water from the community well when during biblical times drawing water and chatting at the well was the social high point of a woman's day. However, this woman was ostracized and marked as immoral, an unmarried woman living openly with the sixth in a series of men. Everyone looked down on her for one reason or another, whether from looking afar or whether viewing her close, knowing her well or not knowing her hardly at all, people looked down on her. No one had time for her. No one had mercy for her. No one had compassion. No one had understanding. No one had grace for her. She had been marked because of her decisions, and there was seemingly no one she could turn to for help. If she would have had a cell phone, if she would have lived in modern day, I'd like to think that she could have opened her cell phone, opened her contact list, and began to scroll through names. Begin to scroll through a list of names and come to the harsh realization 
that the, real, the relationship that she had with some of these names was forever changed because of her decisions. The names she once could count on for love and support were no more, and she continues to scroll through, and well, maybe I could text that person, maybe I could call that person, but no, no, this happened, and they, they said this, and it got back to me that they said such and such about what I did or about our relationship. They didn't really want to talk to me anymore, and she just continues to scroll. The names she knew that would have her back had now actually turned their back on her because of her decisions. There were no other names that she had left to turn to. She could scroll in her contact list from A to Z, and there was really no one if she lived in a modern-day setup. But hang on, sweet lady. Don't give up quite yet. You may feel like you're at rock bottom. You may feel like that you're all alone. You may feel like that there's no one that you can turn to, but there's a name that specializes at being at the bottom. There's a name that specializes in having rendezvous and meeting places with people who feel like that they're at rock bottom. And although no other name that you've ever known will bid you the time of day, you're on a collision course with a man like no other name. You, like no other name you've ever known, and your life will forever be changed because of this name. John 4, verse 3 and 4, and this, this scripture has, especially verse 4, has, has been on my mind now for weeks. I don't know why, but I just can't, I can't get past it in my own walk with God. The Bible says he left Judea, being Jesus, and departed again into Galilee. And verse 4 says, and he must needs go through Samaria. Most Jews would not travel through Samaria. They would take a longer route to avoid it. They didn't want their name to be associated with it. Samaritans were the enemy. Samaritans were not a part of them. They didn't agree with what they did and how they lived their lives. So they went out of their way to avoid them. But Jesus said, I must needs go. Samaria is at the top of my list because there is no other name like Jesus. And I've come here today to tell someone that you may feel like that you're living in the shadows and that no one cares. And I'm not talking about someone that's here today I'm not only talking about someone that's here today that's never been in church. I'm talking to people who have been born and raised in church. Whatever background that you come from, whatever your past is here today, you may feel like you're living in the shadows. You may feel like that you're unworthy. You may feel like that you can't quite get to that place that God wants you to get to. Or maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've made mistakes. And maybe you feel like that you've just been permanently placed in neutral because you've got to re-earn someone's trust or you've got to re-earn a place in the kingdom of God. Names that you thought would be there have walked out on you. Names that you thought you could, you could fall back on have walked out on you and you feel all alone. You feel like you're all alone in your pursuit in life. But Jesus sees you and he's saying, I must needs go. What I want someone to understand here today is that God is doing everything in his power to go out of his way to find you. If you think that Jesus is a million miles away, he's not. You are at the top of his priority list, and he is doing everything. He's knocking things over. He's canceling things in his calendar to try to get directly to you, to get to you face to face and tell you that he loves you, and that he wants to wrap his arms around you, and that he wants to take you to places that you've never been before. 
I must needs go. He needs to find you here today. He wants to find you so bad. And the beauty of this name is that you don't have to worry about all the associations changing. We know that names change in our world, famous names, relatives, people that are close to us, people that are far off. We, don't, we can't depend on them. But you don't have to worry about that with this name, with the name of Jesus, because he's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same tomorrow. He's going to be the same next year. That same name that was then is now and will be tomorrow. The same Jesus that was waiting at rock bottom for the Samaritan woman is waiting for you here today. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter whether you think you're worthy or not. The fact of the matter is, none of us are worthy. No one here today is worthy of this name. But that's not what it takes to get access to the name. He's breaking all protocol. Doing what maybe no one else is willing to do. Some people are going out of their way to avoid you. Some people are going out of their way to to maybe take an easier path, not so bumpy of a path, a smoother uh, place to walk. But Jesus is looking for the bumpy path. Jesus is looking for the one that has all kinds of obstacles and has all kinds of problems and, and all of these things. That's the path that he's looking for. He's going out of his way to love you, to show you that you're valuable, to show you that he can change your life. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. I want to go back to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, I shared a couple of scriptures with you. But I want to dig a little deeper here today. Beginning at verse 7. John chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now she's coming to draw water. Jesus is at the well, and Jesus is asking her for a drink. Skipping to verse 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, as drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. Skipping to 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. So Jesus turns the tables on her. He flips it around and says, You would have asked me for living water. Skipping to verse 13, Jesus says unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. Samaritan woman came to Jacob's well, and she had her water pot. She had this pot, and yes, she was, she was looking for water. She was also looking for a lot of things. She was living out her life, and we live out our life, and we carry around 
this container. We carry around this, this water pot and we have dreams in our life. We have aspirations and we have things we want to accomplish. And it's empty, but we're looking to fill it. We're looking to fill it with things, a better job, maybe to get married, maybe to have children, maybe to get a promotion, maybe to go on this certain vacation, maybe to get out of this certain situation that we've been going through for so long. And God, I've got this emptiness and I need to fill it. I'm looking to fill it. And you make a plan for your life and you wake up every day with your container and you're looking to fill it and you're looking for things that, that are gonna bring you fulfillment. And you're searching endlessly for things. And maybe you've already started putting some things into this container. Maybe you've already put, started putting things into your water pot that you're carrying around. Somehow there's still an emptiness. Somehow you feel like that you still can't quite lift off from where you need to be and you, and you come to church maybe and you go to the altar and God, I've got my, I've got my water pot and I'm, I'm searching, I'm looking for something. I, I need you right now, God, I've got it. I, I've, I've got part of it filled, but if I could just get the rest of it filled, I feel like that I could finally get to that place. And this is no doubt where this lady found herself. She woke up that morning, it wasn't, probably wasn't any different of a morning than the morning before. She got her, her water pot and she was, she was just living her life. Sure, she had made mistakes. Sure, she had messed up, but she was doing the best that she could. But verse 28 to me sums this story up. Verse 28 brings this story to a whole new light. The Bible says, after Jesus had ministered to her, and we all know the story, we all know what Jesus told her. He read her mail. He basically said everything that she had been doing, and, but gave her living water, gave her a new hope. She had a little bit more of a skip in her step or a lot bigger skip in her step than what she had ever had in her life. But what did the woman do at that point when she had had that divine encounter with Jesus? She left the water pot and she went on her way. And when I think about that, and when I think about that concept and when I apply it to my own life and what I'm pursuing and what I'm looking for out of my life, I think, oh my goodness. Maybe, just maybe, there's something that I need to leave behind. Maybe there's something that I've been carrying around. Maybe there's something that I've been trying to fill and God's got a whole different plan for my life. God's got something mighty and awesome that he wants to do in my life, but I've been looking to fill it in all the wrong places. And the whole reason for why this woman woke up that morning and went on her journey of how she found Jesus, the whole reason she left behind she left her water pot sitting right there. Didn't even give it a second thought. All of this time that maybe had built up to this point, that that was part of who she was and who her, her identity was, what she was looking for in life in an instant, she left it behind. Today as we bow our heads,
There's someone here today that needs to understand, that needs to see it. You need to see it right now. You need to see Jesus. With your eyes closed right now, I want you to envision Jesus running to you, trying to get to you, jumping over baggage, jumping over things that have happened in the past, tossing things aside, going out of his way. He canceled all his other appointments because he said, I must needs go. I must needs find. I've got to find them. There's no greater priority that I have in my life right now. Jesus is saying to you that I must find you. I must find you right where you are. You have been in church all your life. I need to find you because you're lost, because you're afraid to step out. And you feel like that I'm, I've distanced myself because of mistakes that you've made. But that doesn't matter to me. I'm trying to get to you. I must needs go through Samaria. I must needs go to places that maybe no one else is willing to go. That's what Jesus is saying to you here today. The front of this building is open. To be honest, I don't know how to end this. Other than just to open up this place and let God work because Jesus is going to make a difference in someone's life here today if you will allow him. If you will understand how he is trying to get to you. If you want to ascend here today, if you want to go to places in God that you've never been before, maybe it's time to take your water pot that you've been holding on to and you've got a death grip on and maybe it's time today to leave it at the altar and to walk out of this place without it and watch what God does. Because God's going to start filling you to a capacity that's much bigger than this container. God wants to fill you in a way and wants to do things in your life that are so much bigger than this water pot, that are so much bigger than how this can be filled. So leave it here today. Leave it here today and trust God that he's going to do something awesome in this place. Come on, somebody reach out to God right now in the name of Jesus. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. He wants to minister to you here today.